Thanks, Chad, for, I think, leading us into a, we can experience and understand in our hearts the love that God has for us. I'm encouraged by that. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, he loves us so much that as the slide before the song said, he adopts us. He makes us part of his family. I mean, that's a big deal. Be adopted into a family. That's how much he loves us. We're, we're part of his family. And he loves us so much that he makes us part of what his family does. We're the body of Christ. And that's what we've been talking about. And that's what we're going to be continuing to, to talk about. What the body of Christ, what his family. We're part of God's family. He loves us enough. He's surrounded us by his love. And then he calls us to be part of what the family does. And the, what the family does and what this series is about is engaging our world. We're going to see that in the life of Jesus today. What we're doing is we're going through the Gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, stories of Jesus' life. Eventually we're going to get to the book of Acts, the stories of, of the ministry of Jesus' followers. We're looking for those instances when Jesus and others engage their world with the gospel, when they reach out, when they share the good news of salvation with the people of their world, when they share, oh, how God loves you with the people of their world. Our purpose is to learn, learn about God, learn about how much he cares for the world, and learn from these examples to be encouraged, to be empowered, to be equipped, to engage our world, to become as our mission statement says, world changers. But we're, that's what we want to be about. We're, we're in God's family. He loves us and he calls us to be world changers. Now, so far, we've looked at John the Baptist, if you remember. We've looked at Andrew, both of them engaging their world. We've looked at Jesus as he engaged that, that Jewish Pharisee, Nicodemus. And then we've spent the last three weeks looking at well, not three weeks. We spent three weeks, not the last three weeks. There was some breaks in there. Learning from Jesus as he engaged that Samaritan woman and as he engaged that village, that town that she was from of Samaritans, a village that came to understand that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. We're part of the, that family. That family with the Savior of the world at its head. Now it's time to move forward in our, in our study. And, and I want to give you a little insight this morning into my sermon prep time. I think, I know some of you think that I just work one day a week, but that's not the case. And so I just wanted to give you a little insight, especially this week. This week was a struggle for me. And so on Tuesday morning, I went into my office. I, I do take Monday off. Sorry. I think I did have... A meeting or two Monday, but Tuesday morning I went into my office and I got out my handy dandy harmony of the gospels. Everybody know what a harmony of the gospels is? It's you know the gospels are four stories of Jesus's life by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what this book does, and I would recommend it's a great book to have, is it puts them all together side by side in parallel in chronological order. So you can just read through 
the whole, Jesus' whole life sort of in chronological order. Some things are covered in Matthew and not in Mark and Luke and John, and some are in John and not in the others. Some are in all four, and you get, get to see that. It's kind, of, it's kind of cool, and this is helpful as I'm preparing going through the Gospels in a little bit of a chronological order and looking at engaging. What, what are the stories of engaging? So I went to the end of the story of the Samaritan woman there on page 40 in my Harmony of the Gospels, and I began reading forward. I was looking for that next example when Jesus or or someone else would engage their world, and it didn't take long. If you remember, Jesus was in Judea in the south, and he was going to Galilee in the north, and we've been studying about what happened on the way. He was on the way to Galilee, he was go, and he had to go through Samaria. And so we've seen Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman and with her village. But his destination was Galilee. And when he, gets to, when he leaves Samaria and he gets to Cana in Galilee, he encounters an official. Now this official was from the city of Capernaum. Cana and Capernaum are both in the province of Galilee. Galilee's like a, a state. It's a province or a county would be more the size of it. Capernaum is in Galilee, and it's about 25 miles from Cana. So he's in Cana over here. Capernaum's over here, about 25 miles away. And he encounters this official, this, this uh, 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 some man of some importance who is from Capernaum, and his family lives in Capernaum, and his son is in Capernaum, and his son is dying. And so he comes to Jesus, who's developed this reputation as, as a healer, as a teacher, and he asks Jesus to go with him to Capernaum to heal his son. And, and Jesus tells him in John chapter 4, verse 50, you may go, your son will live. I have some stuff to do here. You may go, I'm, I'm taking care of it. The official believes, and later he finds out in, in talking and knowing the time when that happened and and in talking to the people that were with his son in Capernaum, 25 miles away, that when Jesus said those words, his son was healed. His son recovered. So that's the next example in Jesus' life of him engaging the world. Now, I could have stopped there, and we could talk more about that, but I went on, and I kept reading in my Harmony of the Gospels. After he heals that boy, that son in Capernaum from Cana, Jesus goes to Nazareth. He goes to Nazareth, his hometown, where we find him teaching in the temple. I mean, I'm sorry, teaching in the synagogue. Again, another example of Jesus engaging his world. I kept reading and continue to find example after example. From Nazareth, Jesus goes then to Capernaum, where he tells some guys, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Then he teaches in the synagogue. Then he goes to one of those guys' house, Peter, and he heals his mother-in-law. Then he heals a leper. Then he heals a paralytic. Then he calls Matthew, this tax collector guy, to be his disciple. Then he goes to Jerusalem during the Passover and he engages with some Pharisees about some Sabbath controversy stuff. He then returns to Galilee and he heals a lot of people and and he preaches a little sermon on a mount there. Maybe you've heard of it. So as you can see, Jesus is continually engaging his world. That's, That's what he does. That's what his life is about. I've read the Gospels, and I knew this about Jesus, but I hadn't thought it through, really, about how am I going to deal with this in this sermon series about engaging the world. 
Which examples should I include? Which, what should I exclude? How do I, how do I do this? How do I handle this? I'm a very linear thinker. You know, I start from the beginning and I move forward. I, I don't skip around. It's not in my nature. And I hate to leave stuff out. But I knew that if I tried to cover every instance of Jesus engaging the world, we, in the harmony of the Gospels, we would be in the Gospels probably till I died, would be my guess. We would never make it out. And I want to get to the book of Acts, and I think there's some other things in God's Word that he has for us. So, I was stressing out the dilemma. What do I do? Can you feel the tension I was feeling? I, I hope you can. Then the solution came. As I read Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And he, Jesus, went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Do you see it? That's it in a nutshell. One verse describes in summary form how Jesus engaged his world during his, his three and a half. This is talking about the time in Galilee, but it really, if you read the Gospels, this is a, a summary of how he engaged his world, especially up until the end. I mean, there's some other things, and, and I would say there are some little encounters that I do want us to touch on in weeks to come. But there it was in black and white, an outline, a three-point sermon of how Jesus engaged his world. He taught He proclaimed the gospel and he healed the sick. That's what I'm always looking for, the three points. Or the ten points. It doesn't matter to me how many points, but three is good. So instead of looking at every instance where Jesus taught and proclaimed the gospel or healed the sick, I could cover it in one message. Relief. Now that one message got a little long, so it's now two messages. And today we'll cover those first two ways that Jesus engaged his world. The teaching and the proclaiming. These are very similar and I think can be handled together and even grammatically maybe are meant to be together. I put them under one heading. Teaching and proclaiming. This is Jesus' ministry of the word. His speaking forth, his speaking ministry. That's what we're going to look at today. And next week... We'll look at the the healing part in that summary. This will be Jesus' ministry of works. Today we have words. Next week we have works. Isn't that cool how that works out? Jesus engaged his world world with both words and with works, with both uh, his mouth and his deeds. And so today we begin with Jesus' ministry of the word. As we have seen, that ministry summarized in Matthew 4.23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogue, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. I've combined these, as I I said, because when Jesus taught, he he was proclaiming the gospel. He was proclaiming the good news. He was proclaiming who he was. He was proclaiming what he had come to do and what he would do for humanity. And if you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4, we're going to look at one example of this, of Jesus' teaching, in just a minute. But first, let's look at at a couple things in this Matthew passage real quick. Important for us to understand, I think, to have in our mind what we're looking at when Jesus taught in in the synagogue. That word synagogue means to gather, 
to bring together. The synagogue referred to both a group of Jewish people in a certain area and to the building that they met in, the structure that they met for worship. Does that sound familiar? Church? Church is both the building that we meet in, this is a church, and we are the people, the church. The same was true of synagogue. Synagogue was the place they met, and it was the people who met there. So Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in the synagogues. Most every city in, uh, in Galilee, where he was, and down in Judea, would have synagogues. Their service would involve, interesting, singing. It would involve prayer. It would involve reading scripture. It would involve a sermon. And it would involve a, a final blessing. There was usually no full-time rabbi or teacher. The service was conducted by elders of the synagogue, those, the leaders that had been appointed. And if a local rabbi, a local teacher, with some qualifications, with some fame, was passing through the town, he would often be invited to be the guest speaker that week in synagogue. This is what was happening. This is what happened over and over, really, in the life of Jesus. When he enters Galilee, Luke writes, so we're going to go to Luke now, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. As Jesus returned, this is him coming back, coming from Judea. He grew up in Galilee. He's coming back into Galilee from Judea. As Jesus returned in power, in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Is that good? good teacher? Glorified by all. Jesus was rightly gaining this reputation of a a powerful teacher. So when he entered a city, they would ask him to teach in the synagogue. Luke goes on to record one example of this teaching, and and we'll focus a little bit on that for a second. Beginning in verse 16 of chapter 4. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. Let's pause here for a, for a second. Jesus had returned home to Nazareth. He was from Nazareth. Remember, he was a Nazarene. He grew up, he was born in Bethlehem, but went back to Galilee. And, well, he we went to Egypt for a little bit. Ended up in Nazareth. He was brought up in Nazareth. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Just a side note, notice that it was Jesus' custom to go to church. So, let's follow Jesus' custom. We won't go that way here. But Jesus, it was his custom to go to synagogue, to the the Jewish church. Jesus in his hometown. He's a hometown boy. He's made good. He's come back. And they ask him to teach in the synagogue. He's got this reputation. In verse 17, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In the synagogue, there would be specific readings. It was laid out already. There's specific reading for that week. But the guest speaker may be okay, you can read anything from Isaiah. And so they gave him the scroll from Isaiah. And so Jesus would be able to choose 
what in Isaiah he would like to read. Note, they didn't have just, they didn't have books like this. He didn't just flip open. There were, there were scrolls, and a scroll is, you know, you have to unfurl it. And so he was given the scroll of Isaiah, and he finds Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. And that's what he, he reads. Then in verse 20, and he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus goes on to to teach more in in the passage. But I want to notice that, that he reads the scripture. He read a prophecy from the book of Isaiah. And then he proclaims the good news. That today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus, from the scripture, proclaims the gospel that the Spirit of the Lord is on him. That he's been anointed to proclaim the good news to the poor. That he's been sent to proclaim liberty to the captives. To give sight to the blind. He would set the oppressed free and and proclaim the year or or the time of the Lord's favor. Basically, Jesus in this moment, through this scripture, is proclaiming the good news. The good news that He is the promised Messiah, and the Messiah has arrived. And He does this by teaching from the Word of God. Jesus engaged His world by teaching scripture, by proclaiming the good news. The good news for Him was, I'm here. More good news to come. For us, once he goes to the cross, once he dies for the sins of the world, but the good news is, I've arrived. And he not only made it his practice to teach in the synagogue, but throughout his ministry, whenever we find Jesus teaching, he's teaching from Scripture. In fact, in the four Gospels, Jesus refers to and quotes the Old Testament Scriptures well over 40 times. I don't... You can, you can do a study between, between Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, and places in the Old Testament where they just line up. Jesus is preaching the Scriptures. Clearly, Jesus engages His world with the Word of God. And that's what I want to focus our focus to be this morning. As we seek to be, and I pray we're seeking to be, people who engage our world, we must We have to, like Jesus, engage with the Word of God. Engage our world with the Word of God. The Word is is crucial for so many reasons. For our personal growth as we read through it and, and understand the love of God. For discipleship. For sanctification. For that process in our life where God is growing us into His image. The Word of God. For just learning the truth of who God is and and what He's done. It's crucial for so many reasons. And this morning, I want to point out three reasons why the Word is crucial in our efforts to engage our world. First, this is key. Maybe you know this. I'm going to make it clear. The Word explains salvation. The Word, the Word of God, the Bible explains salvation. The Word, in fact, is is an instruction manual on how to be saved. And I hope this doesn't come as a major shock to anyone, but the purpose 
of engaging our world is that people will be saved. That people will be saved from their sin and that they will be saved unto eternal life with Jesus Christ. That people will come to know and love and worship in spirit and truth their Creator as they should. It's right for us to worship God. And the Word of God leads us to that. This was God's purpose in sending His Son to provide salvation through His death on the cross. And it continues to be the purpose of His church. We are His messengers. And He's provided us with a message to take to the world. And that message is His Word. And it's His Word that explains how people are saved. The Gospel of hope. James wrote in chapter 1, verse 18, of His own will, being of God, He brought us forth by the Word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. We are brought forth out of our sin. Out of this world. We're brought forth We're saved. And and James says we're saved by the word of truth. As God, as the word goes forth, as it's taught, as it's proclaimed, as it's heard, as it's understood, it brings forth fruit into the lives of those who embrace it, those who believe it, those who trust it. And ultimately, it brings forth, it brings forth eternal life. Eternal life. The Apostle Peter understood this even before he was the Apostle Peter when he was just this bumbling guy. In John 6.38, after Jesus had said some really difficult things about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and people didn't get it and many walked away, Jesus asked his disciples, the ones closest to him, he says to them, are you going to desert me also? Peter says to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where, Where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. The words that Jesus spoke revealed the truth of salvation. The words that Jesus spoke brought eternal life. Peter heard those words verbally. Maybe we're jealous of Peter, but you know what? We have Jesus' words. and They're written down for us. We have the words of of the, the apostles, those who followed after Jesus, those who learned from Jesus. And we have the words of, of Old Testament saints who were preparing the way for Jesus. We have the whole story. We have it all written down for us. We have it in, I don't know how many English translations there are, but a zillion. I mean, come to, come to my Bible study once, and you will hear some crazy translations. I stick to the ESV, the NIV, the NASB. Some people like to go to the living Bible and those things that express a little more, which is okay. I'm fine with that. But we have these words. God has given to us, and men have translated them for us. And it's through the Word of God that people are able to come to know the way to salvation. The Word makes it clear Chad, made clear for us this morning in what we sing that we're sinners in need of a Savior. This in many ways was the purpose of the Old Testament, wasn't it? To give us the law that we might know we couldn't keep it. To draw us, to help us see that we need a Savior to reveal our sin and prepare the way for the promised Messiah. 
The Word then reveals the truth of what Jesus did as we enter into the New Testament, of what Jesus did for us. It explains His nature. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It explains His birth, His virgin birth, the power of the Holy Spirit, His life and His death, His sinless life and His resurrection. Payment for the sins of humanity. And then it, then it clearly teaches us that we must trust in Jesus Christ. We must each individually receive Him as our Savior. It's through the Word that we know the way to be reconciled to God. We're called to be His ambassadors, Paul said, and our message is a message of reconciliation. This is how we're reconciled to God. It's explained in His Word. You know, in our world desperately, desperately needs to hear the truth of God's Word. They need the words of eternal life. Just as we do and have received. Just a few examples. Our world falsely believes that all religions are the same. They believe there are many ways to God. We're all on our own path. We're all on our own journey. We just need to find our way. They need to hear the words of Jesus Christ who said in John 14.6, Jesus said to them, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. That's truth. Our world falsely believes if they do good, if they're just good enough, if they're not like the guy up in Santa Barbara who killed so many People, if they're just good enough, they can earn their own salvation. They need to hear Paul's words in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. Not as a result of work so that no one can boast. What, what freeing and powerful truth that is. There's nothing you can do but God is in His grace. I mean, what a word. They need to understand the Bible's definition of grace. God's free gift. Our world falsely believes there's, there's really no hell waiting for those who rebel, who live in their sin, who continue on in sinful life, who try to do it on their own. They need to hear the words of Jesus in Matthew 10.28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. They need to hear and understand The truth of God's Word. And I could go on. The Word of God reveals the truth that our world desperately needs to hear. The Word explains how to be saved. So share that Word. Share that Word with the people in your world. Share it. Teach it. But you know, the Word does even more than explain Because you know what? On our own, an explanation would never, even the best explanation, would not budge us. It would be foolishness, Paul says. Preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And at at one time we were all perishing. And even if we could understand it, our sinful hearts would never believe it. But thanks be to God, Thanks be to God. The Word actually awakens or, or kindles or, or starts or begins faith in individuals. That's our second point. The Word awakens faith 
Maybe these are out of order, but I think the, the first, I, I said it because it's kind of obvious that the word explains salvation. Now we're moving into what happens prior to that explanation in, in the hearts of those who believe. The word awakens faith. Remember, by grace you've been saved through faith. There's no salvation without faith. Salvation comes to those who put their faith, their trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. No longer trusting in themselves, no longer trusting in their efforts, but trusting in what Christ did. The free gift of eternal life purchased by Jesus Christ. There has to be faith. And where does this faith come from? Why do some people have it and others don't? Why do some people believe and others don't? Why do twins brought up in the same family, one believes and one doesn't? And how do people who Paul puts in Ephesians 2, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, how do people who are dead in their trespasses and sins ever come to faith? Now there's some mystery here. Some would say it's, it's a free will. It's your choice. You figure it out. I don't, I don't know. Some, some choose to believe and others don't. Others say it's a work of God. God works in some hearts. He doesn't work in others. And others say it's a combination of, of those two. We're not here to answer that question this morning. But no matter what you believe about how someone gets faith, one thing is clear. Because Scripture makes it clear. The Apostle Paul makes it clear in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. You might want to turn to Romans 10. We'll look a few verses there. But in verse 17, Paul writes this, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes... Faith is awakened by the Word of Christ, the Word of God, as it goes forth. Now this sounds a little mysterious too. The mystery is how God, through the Word, through the hearing of the Word, through the preaching of the Word, takes a a heart and transforms it and changes it. This dead and sinful heart. How does He do that? How does He make it alive so it can understand, so it can believe? How does He do... Anyone... Anyone want to explain how he does that? I can't. But the nice thing is, the awesome thing is, I don't have to figure it out. That's not my part. That's God's work. God's work is in the heart of people. And he works through the word. Get it? And our part is to be the messengers of the word. To engage the world with the word of God. Then let God take care of the heart. Because there's no other way that faith comes. Paul makes that clear in the verses leading up to 17. Let's back up. We just read 17. That's the conclusion. Faith comes through the word of Christ. But Paul led to that beginning in verse 13. Listen to this. Verse 13 of Romans chapter 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone who understands and trusts in Jesus Christ, the Lord, will be saved. Then Paul asks a question. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? See the progression there? See the importance of the the preacher and the sender? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. 
But they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, I've heard this verse a lot. Maybe you've heard it, this set of verses, usually in a missions conference or something. How beautiful are the feet of those missionaries? And I totally agree. Some awesome feet. Side note, please come to my house in a couple weeks and meet Linda I almost said UC because her name was UC when she left this church 30 plus years ago. First missionary sent out. She got a husband and changed her name. I don't know if that's fair, but she did it. And uh, come and spend time with them. They're great people. Beautiful feet they have. But you know what? We have beautiful feet too if we're willing to engage our world. It applies to all of us. Go to the ends of the earth. Uh, Riverside is pretty... Ends of the earth. Faith comes from hearing the word of Christ delivered by the messengers of God. That's our part. To teach the word, to preach the good news, to proclaim the gospel. The gospel is, is a message. It's a true story. It's not based on a true story. It is the true story. And that message is the word of God. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not part of it. It's all of it. His coming, His life, His death, His resurrection, His payment for our sins, and the whole Word of God is pointing us to Jesus Christ. Maybe you remember uh, months ago, years ago, I don't remember. I gave a little outline, and this isn't original. I don't know where I got it from. A little simple, simple, maybe the most simple outline ever of the Scripture. But I think it's right on. It says, The Old Testament is preparation for Christ. The Gospels are the manifestation of Christ. The book of Acts is the proclamation of Christ. The epistles, the letters, are the explanation of Christ. And the revelation is the culmination of Christ's work. It's all pointing to Christ. The Word of God has the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Everyone who puts their faith in Christ. The Gospel... Not just the words. The words aren't magic. But the truth of the words. The truth of the Gospel. The truth that Jesus lived out. The words lived out by Jesus Christ. Then heard and received in faith. Having faith in in the truth of these words. In the reality of these words. Saves men and women from eternal damnation. And we must engage our world with these words. And you know when we do, there's a promise in Scripture. We, we like this promise. We've heard it. I want to apply it to this, to engaging our world with the word. Isaiah 55.11 So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. The Word of God that will succeed as it goes out into the world. Awakening faith. Opening hearts. Explaining salvation. The Word awakens faith. So, share it. Teach it. Tell it to others whenever you can. So we know that it's the Word that explains salvation. And it's the Word itself that awakens the faith that you might be saved. But there's one final thing I want us to understand about the Word this morning. 
three points. Get it? Okay, good. Now, I hope it's clear, and if, if it's not, then I, somebody's, I'm, a, I'm not saying the words I think I am, or your ears aren't hearing the words I'm saying. Something's not going right. I hope it's clear, because I've said it today, and I've said it in past weeks, and I think it's been said, and it's just part of the church. I hope it's clear that we, God's church, his people, are called and commanded to be messengers of the word. We're to follow Jesus' example who taught the word, who proclaimed the gospel. We're to follow the example of the apostles who taught the word, who proclaimed the gospel. We're to follow the example of those throughout church history, missionaries and pastors and teachers and and people. Taught the word, proclaimed the gospel, engaged their world with the word of God. We're to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do we got that? hope it's totally clear. But what I want us to understand is that it's, it's the word not only is the key to bringing people to salvation, but the word is the key to equipping those who God has called to be his messengers. That's us. The word equips the messenger. It's you and me. God in his infinite wisdom, I don't get it, but he did it, has chosen to use his people, us, to get the word out. He could have written it in the sky for everyone to see. He could have sent angels to each person proclaiming the word of truth. But he chose to use you and me as proclaimers of his word, as messengers of the gospel. The church of Jesus Christ has been given a mission. That mission is to make disciples of all nations, And our main, our best, our complete resource for accomplishing our mission is the Word of God. The Word equips us to carry out our mission, to bring His Word to the world. Paul writes writes to his disciple Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, familiar verses. All Scripture, the Word of God, is, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training in righteousness that the man, and, and I would add the woman of God, may be competent, equipped for every good work. The Word is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for rebuking, for letting you know when you're going haywire, for correction, for training in righteousness. It's the Word of God that trains us to be righteous people. The Word is a training manual for men and women of God that we might be equipped. That we might be equipped for every good work. And I can think of no gooder work than sharing the Gospel. The sharing the love of God through Jesus Christ with the people in our world. There are other works. There's ways of, of building trust. And we're going to talk a lot about that next week. We're going to talk about the works that, that oftentimes have to precede the words. But the words have to be there. What a good work. Sharing the gospel. And we're equipped through God's word. So, so we know that the word explains salvation. We know that the word awakens faith. And the word equips us to be messengers. So God through his word, has provided the resources we need to engage our world. Now it's our turn. It's our turn. 
But that doesn't mean we, okay, God, you did your part, and I'm doing my part. That, we just can't do that. That doesn't work. By the grace of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to do our part. In the book of Ezra, it's an Old Testament book, we find a short, little, simple verse that I believe outlines our part, and I want to give you that verse. Ezra, if you don't know, he was a priest, and he was, he was exiled in the Babylonian exile lots of years ago, and, and he's returning to Jerusalem. While in exile, he wasn't exiled alone. Many of the Israelites were exiled into foreign lands with foreign gods. While in exile, many of the people had forgotten the word of God. Ezra's mission was to remind them and to reintroduce to them the word of God. And in Ezra 7, verse 10, we have a summary of what Ezra did. And that summary has application to you and I as we seek to remind, as we seek to introduce to people God's Word. Our world is, you know, maybe 30 years ago, I don't know. There was more of a foundation. Even people that didn't believe knew about the stories in the Bible, knew those things. That maybe went to church some, or, or their parents had, or their grandparents. Nowadays, we're losing that. That's, that was Ezra's situation. They lost it. It lost an understanding of God's word in Ezra's world. And so he's coming back into Jerusalem. And in Ezra 7.10, it tells us three things that Ezra did. For Ezra had set his heart. First of all, that's, I mean, that's not one of the three things. So maybe there's four things, but, but that's so important. Set your heart. These three things I'm going to tell you that, that Ezra did and that we can do, if your heart isn't set to them, it's not going to happen. So if your heart, as we go through these things, let me say this, if we go through these things and you want to do them and your heart's, and your heart's into it, then great. If it's not, then your application is to go home and fall on your face and say, God, give me a heart for your word. Give me a heart for the people of this world. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Ezra did three things and we need to do three similar things. First, Ezra studied the law, and we have to study the Word of God. No getting around it. We have to study the Word of God. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, again, he's writing to his disciple, Timothy. Study, this is King James because it uses the words I wanted. Sorry. Study to show yourself, thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. We have to know the Word of God. You have to study it. You have to study it for its meaning, for its content. Use resources. We have to be part of Bible studies. To come to church. Hear the word preached. You have to memorize it. Make it part of who you are. Study the word of God. And this is a lifelong process, just so we're clear. You don't have to know everything. It's not do these, these steps. Even though I'm very linear, you can't do these steps linearly. You have to do them all. And so they're, they're more of uh, all together. But you don't have to know the Word of God completely to move on to the next step that we'll get to in a second. God will use the Word that you know, but you have to be about studying it. I know for me, every, it's amazing how often just in, I, I spend time in the Word in the morning, you know, I'm going through a reading plan of the Bible. I didn't like look for this 
passage, but later in the day I need that passage in a situation. God's amazing like that. You need to never, never, never stop studying the Word. We are on a daily basis to seek to understand the truths, understand and apply the truth of God's Word. But it doesn't stop there. Second, Ezra did the law, and we have to, second, obey the Word. We don't have to know it all before we start obeying it, though. Together. James said, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Don't be a deceived by just reading through and studying the Word of God and never doing it. We're commanded not only to study and to hear the Word, but to obey it, to do what it says, to apply it in our lives, to allow our lives to be transformed. It's it's in obedience that you receive transformation. You read the Bible and you think it's supposed to do something for you, not until you apply it, not until you do it, not until you follow it. When we're transformed by the Word of God through obedience, that we're able to then become part of doing this final step that Ezra did. And this is the engaging the world part. Ezra taught the law, and we must be teachers or preachers of the Word. Again, Paul to his disciple Timothy. Timothy 4.2. 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Preach and teach the Word. I think we're intimidated by the word preach, aren't we? That's what the pastor does on Sunday mornings. But it just means to proclaim, to tell forth, to tell others what the Word of God says, to teach them about God and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's the job not just of the pastor, but of every follower of Jesus Christ. We're all to study the Word of God. We're all to obey the Word of God, and we're all to preach, teach the Word of God. It's what Ezra's mission was, and that's our mission. Okay? Got it? Now, I was going to conclude my message with a, a testimony from someone that someone chose not to come to church today. No, just kidding. He let me know. He thought he was, Gary Asphalt thought he was going to be here, but then he found out he was supposed to be at a wedding. So I guess that's an acceptable excuse. So I'll just share what I wanted Gary to share, or I'll share why I asked Gary to share his testimony. I wanted to encourage you. I want you to to understand that this is happening in people's lives. A few months ago, Gary uh, invited me to go to a Clipper game with him. That was before they lost in the playoffs. They were still, they were still, it was part of the season. He asked if I could meet him at his, uh, the store he owns. He owns an RV parts and accessory store in Ontario. When I got there, I was ready to go. Come on, Gary, we're going to the game. We've got to get our seats. We've got to you know, get some, some food. I was excited about going to the game. But Gary had a different a, a priority he had to take care of first. We did make it to the game, and I did get food, just to, you guys are worried about me. When I got there, he took me into one of the back rooms in his kind of mazy RV accessory shop. Uh, and in that room, there were five, about five guys. And these guys had Bibles, and they had a, a, a book on discipleship, how to grow in your, your faith, how to understand. And I knew about this thing that Gary was doing, 
with these guys, but, but seeing it, it, was, it, was, it sparked something in me. These guys all work for Gary in his, at his RV shop, and, and once a week they meet together, and Gary teaches them from God's Word. Some of the guys are believers, and some aren't yet. But Gary is faithfully engaging his world with the Word of God. Just one example, one way to do that. And it's my prayer that each of us in our worlds, and we all have different worlds and different, all of us don't own the business and can't order guys to stay after to do a Bible study. Just kidding, he doesn't order them. They want to. It, I think there's some joy there in doing that. There's different ways, neighborhoods, inviting neighbors over. We've had that in Dina's neighborhood. They've had a neighborhood Bible study. Just asking people to, if they want to know about, more about Jesus in your neighborhood or at your work. Having a lunch little Bible. I mean, getting your Bible out and maybe have a lunchroom at work and reading your Bible and maybe gaining some interest. Maybe having a little Bible study at work. I mean, the ways are infinite. It's thinking about getting the Word out, the Word of truth out, that it can have its, its work to awaken faith, to explain salvation. I have one more application. This is a very practical application that we should all do in one way or another. This is, I mean, having a group Bible study with guys you work with, that's kind of big. I'm, I'm, I'm going to notch it back a minute, a little bit. But this is one final way, one way I think we should all be equipped to engage our world. So I would encourage, this is, this is it, drum roll please. I would encourage every one of us to memorize or at least be familiar with a set of God's Word, a set of verses in Scripture that can explain the Gospel, that can explain what it means to come to faith in Jesus Christ. You can have your testimony. This could be part of it. But you need to have the Word of God. The power of the Word of God. The Word that awakens faith. There are a lot of verses that can do this. A lot of ways to do that. I mean, we talked through Christmas, through a four-week study on John 3.16, just that one verse, how that explains the Gospel. I like the verses found in, it was mentioned this morning, and this is what Audrey was training the Liberian ladies with to share their faith. I like the verses contained in the, in the Four Spiritual Laws. There's another booklet called Knowing God Personally. Same people write them and same sort of verses. So either of those. But it just goes through and it explains the gospel. It uses John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. It uses John 10.10, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. It uses Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It it uses Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love toward us. When while we are sinners, Christ died for us. It goes, and I'm not going to explain this whole book to you, but I'm going to offer it if you'd like it. I mean, they're online. There's, there's apps for it. There's a Four Spiritual Laws app. Or there's other ways. There's the Romans Road. There's plenty of opportunities. But I would just encourage you. Maybe like me, you have trouble memorizing stuff nowadays. Well, I would say become very familiar with something and then keep it in your pocket. If you can't memorize it. And even if you can, having it in your pocket and memorizing it. Because the verses 
God's Word found in, in tools, and these are evangelistic tools. These verses can help you to explain salvation in a practical way. And they can be used by God to awaken faith. These verses can help you to lead a person to understand the Gospel message. And if you want one, I, there's some, I would say, there's some on the table on the left out here as you leave. Just, just take one and look through it. If you ha, don't, don't have one or if you don't have a phone, you can download the app on your phone. Just take one and look it over. If you, if you, if you, if you use it, give it away to someone. And if you need more, and oh, I'm happy to buy them for you. I would just encourage all of us to have something like that in our, you know, tool belt in our kit to be able to have verses or or a booklet or something to be able to share the gospel with someone the word of god allowing the word of god to go forth as we as we engage our world is so important it's our mission it's what we've been called to do and we need to be equipped for it would you pray with me father god thank you for this time thank you for jesus and his his example His example as he taught the word, as he proclaimed the gospel, Lord, I pray that we would would be people of your word, people that that know it so well, that study it, that it just comes forth from us, that we're prepared to share with people the word of truth. Father, and I would pray if there's anyone here who, who as I was speaking, as, as they've been talked about, talked through the gospel at other times, if they're sensing that awakening of faith, Father, I pray that you would continue that work in, in their heart, that they would come to you, that they would give their lives to you, and then they would let someone know about that so they can, can grow in their faith. Lord, I pray for us as we go forth into our different activities this week, into Memorial Day tomorrow. Lord, give us opportunities just to invite friends to Brian's house for, for this time together. Give us opportunities to share your love, to share your gospel, to share your word with the people in our world. In Christ's name, amen.